Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Saturday to everyone, and welcome to episode 438 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast on tonight, which is the Vigil of Pentecost. Tomorrow, great feast in the Church of Pentecost, which is why I'm rocking the red lights tonight for the vigil. It also is the... Uh, commemoration of the Feast of St. Bede the Venerable as well. But hey, blessed Pentecost, everyone out there in the world. And uh, yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about The Little Mermaid and especially The Little Mermaid's box office. Uh, some uh, comments on the actual movie itself. I was able to see the film on Thursday and put a review up on the channel. So just talking about that a little bit, hearing your thoughts, if you were able to actually go and see it. Uh, we'll talk also about the box office and how it's very much a, a mixed bag. However, uh, let's just say the negative part of that mix is is really, really bad uh, as far as the actual numbers are concerned. We'll also give an update on Fast 10 and Guardians of the Galaxy. And I also wanted to give my thoughts on a show that I actually just started watching over the past week called The Vow. And this is a series that first launched on HBO, HBO Max, now just Max. And it deals specifically with a cult uh, named Nexium. This was the cult that uh, Allison Mack from Smallville fame had been a part of. And I had no idea really about any of these things. And uh, let's just say I'm now one season in. And the second season is, is available too. And I've just about a couple of episodes in to season two. And oh boy. It, it gets pretty crazy pretty quickly. Uh, it's it's kind of insane in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, I think anyone out there, especially who's more open to a documentary or a docu-series in general, you're going to hear, wait, it's about a cult? Count me in. Uh, because let's just say it, it is quite fascinating. But before we get any further, though, please make sure to smash that like button. Live the fire button if you're watching over on iTunes. Smash the rumble button as well. Let us say hello to some people in the chat. Starting off first with Orange Eye Reviews, who is um, one of my mods on the channel. Please make sure to respect the rules. And we don't have a lot. Just be respectful. Uh, don't Don't be mean. Right. Don't don't be harassing of, of anyone in the chat. Uh, don't spam either. There's no need to spam comments because I, I read all comments in the chat as long as you just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment at Odin. Let me know you're trying to get my attention and it uh, highlights orange on my screen in my little chat window. So it helps out quite a bit. So if you could do that on any of the platforms, uh, if you want to donate via super by a super chat or via Streamlabs, there's a Streamlabs link in the comment section or rather in the description of the video below. You don't have to, though. As long as you just put at Odin, uh, all I can say is that it will take about 20 to 30 minutes behind, uh, 20 to 30 minutes to get to it, as I tend to fall that far behind into the chat because I'm reading the chat. Master of Gaming, who is a member on the channel, hail to you. Kincaid Rumshki is hanging out over on Rumble. What's going on, good sir? Hope that everything went well with family. Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey, holding down the fort over there. Thank you very much for being there. Logan5 in the chat. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. Nom nom cookies. Yes. Yes, indeed. Heimdall is on, and so you can now get your cookie counts. Just another red shirt. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. Zaid Manzani. What's going on, Zaid? Welcome back. Monkey 76 in the chat. We got Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan. How about a hockey player? Hanging out in the chat. She is a member. Thank you for being here, and thanks for being a member on the channel. General Wingster. What's up, bro? Our pet troll. All right, burrito Saturday. Let's go. Oh, I'm glad that you're enjoying yourself a a nice burrito. I'm I'm glad that you're enjoying yourself a very nice burrito to you. 
Let's see, Rob D, what's going on? Selena, red wine. Or as I like to say, red vine. What's going on, Selena? Welcome back. Jeremy's Biden-supporting doppelganger has, The Little Mermaid remake is great. You're just mean. Well, I know that you're here as, as, a, as a fun troll, and I appreciate that. Uh, but I do think that it's interesting because I probably have um, one of the softest takes on the movie compared to some of the others. <laughs> especially especially in, in our community, whether it be The Fellowship, uh, Geese and Gamers fam, whatever family it might be. I think I definitely have one of the more soft takes on the movie, and I'm still critical of it. I still think it's a bad movie. I still think it's a film that's not worth the time, not worth the money. Um, however, I definitely think that there are some things that are worthy of talking about. Uh, Hugo M., what's up? Joey Horn, what's going on? Good sir. I think I finally found a box. So I'm hopefully going to get that out this week. J.S. Pena, what is up? We got Forever Sci-Fi hanging out in the chat as well, who is a member. Thank you for being here. We got Laura, the Mother Major General story. What's going on, Laura? Thank you for being here. Thank you for always uh, being supportive. And as she says, happy Memorial Day weekend. Absolutely. Everyone that is commemorating and celebrating this weekend uh, with Memorial Day on Monday, I hope that you have a good one and that you enjoy that extra day off for those that get it. Thanatos Felicitas, what's going on? Hello, Odin from the past. Yeah, just a few minutes in, in, in the past at this point. Keely Chow, what's going on? She says, Hail, how are you, Thor and Freya doing? Lady Freya is doing very well. Uh, she's resting upstairs, and then baby Thor, uh, which just went down for his, his, his big sleep, as we like to call it. Uh, but baby Thor has been doing well. He went to a birthday party today, and uh, he was cute. It's, it's definitely at the age, though, where you know, you're at the age of two and a half for him. Uh, you know, three and a you know handful of months, and it's just one of those times where he's running everywhere, he's getting into everything, right? He's a toddler, he's going full on toddler. But then as a parent, you're like, oh my goodness, that means that he's gonna be getting in people's faces who don't want him in his face. It's just, oh man. So that that definitely causes some anxiety on my end. Uh, yes, indeed, Laura. Thank you again for mentioning. Yes, yeah. Make sure to smash that like button wherever it is that you're watching. Hit that support button and share it if you think anyone might. Find this either entertaining or informative. Sherry Allen, what's going on, Sherry? Hi, everyone. Uh, how are you and your family doing? Everyone's doing great. Rob D, hello, Odin. Read some, read something interesting yesterday. Did you know that roughly 75% of silent films, of silent era films, are now lost to history? I actually did not know that, Rob D. But I'm also not too surprised, uh, especially when... Uh, I assume a lot of it has to do with the film stock that was used in the early days of film where it was on stock that was incredibly flammable, like to an insane degree. Um, so my guess is that's probably part of it. Also, and this is something that I know the film, and obviously it's an adaptation of the book, but the film I can speak of for sure by Scorsese of Hugo, right? The the kids movie that, that Scorsese made, which actually isn't terrible. It's not one of his best movies, but it's not bad either. I, I love when they get into the second half of the movie and you start to go into the the film history and you start to go into just the love of of cinema and the love of film that was my favorite part but one of the things that they kind of touch upon in that is and and, and at least the conversations that were surrounding it were that because film preservation really wasn't a thing especially in the early era of film right it was shot on something that was meant to be able to uh, produce something relatively quickly but it also meant it wasn't going to last a very long time. It didn't have a lot of shelf life to it. And also, too, it, it meant that the people who were getting it, if they would be needing to make space for something, they would just throw it away or burn it or do whatever. And 
And so therefore, because of that, yeah, there are so many things. I, I didn't know it was that high as 75%, but it is, it's actually quite sad to think about of, of how many even classic filmmakers that we would consider to be classic at this point and how much of their work is, is lost and, and never to be found again. Kikane Rumshke over on Rumble says, did the Little Mermaid need no man? Uh, kind of, yeah. I, that, that was obviously, I mentioned this in my review, and I know others have mentioned it too, but that is, I think, one of my biggest issues as far as the story is concerned, right? One of the classic elements of the original film is you have her saving him in the beginning, right? Ariel saving Eric in the beginning, and then Eric saves her at the end. That that's always been right. The understanding, at least from the Disney adaptation, obviously, right? Uh, I know if you get into the darker, uh, you know, the, the darker fairy tale that it's based on, it's very very different. Um, and that actually does, in many ways, deal with a I think more accurate representation of love, actually, because there is a actual self sacrifice that happens in that. I, I I have not well read on it, but I, I know enough about it. My wife was able to kind of explain a little bit of that original uh, fairy tale to me. But again, really the next best thing that we can get is this mutual exchange, right? Of I'm going to sacrifice for you in the beginning. You're going to sacrifice me in the end. And instead it's, Oh no, no, no. Instead, I'm just going to do all of the work. I'm going to do all of the, the, the I'm going to take all the effort. And Yeah. It's the story of the film is just garbage. It really is like all the things that were changed and it all stems though from as far as just general thoughts on Little Mermaid. I think that the biggest issue for me is the fact that it exists. And and I say that to mean when you have a movie that works so well as an animation because of the underwater elements, because of the character elements and the character traits to try to make that live action, it's almost guaranteed to fail. We already know that that uncanny valley effect is is still nowhere close to to being an, an issue of the past, right? That's still a prominent issue. But then when you even go as so far as to try to make creatures look realistic, but then also have them look slightly unrealistic, it again creates that cognitive dissonance and it, it just doesn't work. It works as an animation and a lot of the film is animated. I, I, I struggle to even say it's a live action remake because so much of it is CG and so much of it is green screen um, or other types of, of artificial effects. But uh, but yeah, it, it just makes you sad when you think especially about that comment that's still highlighted from Rob D uh, about just the silent era film. It's just it was an era where you just had, I think, so much more creativity going on. Uh, Gary Badger Sandwich Worthington, what's going on? Says, greetings from the UK. Hello from the UK. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Uh, Miss Minnesota fans, also wishing everybody a happy Memorial Day weekend. I want to share our views. And lo, there was the red sun of Krypton. Yes, it's very, very red. I, I tried to change the coloring a little bit, but there's only so much that I can do. But yeah, it is Pentecost red. It's also the red used on the Feast of Martyrs. Uh, amazing baking soda tags and says, hail, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Miss Hockey fan says a little woke made. Yes. There are a lot of elements in the movie that I think are, are abysmal. I will say this much though. As I said, I, I think I have the softest approach on this movie. There are a lot of other things that they could have done and they ended up not. You know, like there's a lot of other things that could have been a, a lot worse. And there are certain elements that I think actually work. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about how they believe that the performance given by Halle Bailey's, uh, by her Ariel, 
is bad, that she can't act, that she's a terrible actress. Well, I'm here to say, looking at it objectively, having done some acting in my time, doesn't make me an expert by any means, but again, when I think bad acting, you know what actual bad acting is? Tommy Wiseau. That is actual bad acting. If you want to talk about someone being green, if you want to talk about someone not having a wide range of emotion, I think that that's valid. But to say that she's a terrible actress or that she is abysmal, I just, I don't think that's accurate. I said this in my review in the movie, right? Taking away any of the opinions about the casting choice and and the motivations that likely impacted that, because again, those are valid, but they're not specific to the performance. She fits that role, personality-wise, very well. You know, Ariel is supposed to be this, this young Teenage mind, right, is kind of the mindset uh, and kind of the the personality that we've always attributed with it. Uh, you know, just kind of acting very impulsively, very, uh, very play, play, you know, playing around, uh, a, a, you know, very playful. And I think Halle Bailey actually does that very, very well, right? Is she giving an amazing dramatic performance? No, because that's not the performance that she's being asked to give. So... I, I just don't understand why people are going after her for that specific thing, right? And even if someone's willing to say, oh, well, you know, her, her voice is nice. It's like, yes, but her performance is also actually fitting what that character has always been meant to be, all right? And so I think that kind of going after her in that direction just doesn't make sense, right? If you want to go after the producers and the directors and the people who were the part of the process of choosing her and what their motivations likely were, then again, I think that's absolutely valid. But to go after her for her acting, especially when there really isn't anything in there that suggests her acting is actually bad, like objectively bad, I just, I have a problem with it. Anyway, Super Anime Gamer. Hey, well, what is up, my dude? What's going on? How's it going? Ricky Bobby, what's going on? Orange Chat says, I refuse to see Disney remakes. I believe they will chip away at your soul. Yeah, and it's not for everybody. I, and I always mention this because I, I always get those few people in the comments section, right? Who will, uh, you know, who will actually go in and try and, and try to start that argument of, you know, why are you even giving them any money? You're going after them, but you're still giving them money. It's like, well, because let's just say everyone, especially in our community, said, we're just going to stop watching them altogether. Okay, that helps me, that helps other people, but if anyone comes across my videos and I'm talking about the movie, they're going to shut off as soon as they realize that I have not watched it. I I'm talking about something that I've not actually seen. Whereas instead, hey, if someone's actually honestly saying, is this movie any good, maybe they'll click on my video. Maybe they'll click on a uh, video from Geese and Gamers, from, from Gary. Maybe they'll click on one from, uh, you know, from... I don't know why I wanted to keep saying something about drunk intoxicated because, of course, all I thought about was drunk 3PO. Shout out to drunk 3PO. And then I, his, the, sometimes the variation given to him, which is intoxic intoxicated 3PO. But critical drinker, that was the one I was looking at, right? That someone will find that and will hear those criticisms and say, oh, this is actually something I did not know before. And unless you have those voices out there that are saying those things and are actually willing to go through it, you know, Mahler, I think, would also be a great example of that, too. He goes in even more detail than I could ever dream to possibly go into. Um, you know, then ultimately it's you're you're going to find yourself in a battle like it's important to, you know, push people away for sure. But at the same time, the only way that you're going to reach some people is by, you know, still coming at them from from that space. If you know what I mean. Great. Wuda, what's going on? Welcome back. Glad to have you here. 
Ben Dowdy, who is a member, is back in the chat as well. Hail to you. The Ultimate Alien in the chat. What's going on? Magnus Magnuson, what's going on? Rockin' the Biden Red, says Ben Dowdy. Yes, the, the very creepy uh, Imperial Presence speech red. Is that is that the kind of red that you were talking about? <laughs> Fedigator, what's going on, brother? Master of Gaming, I'm disappointed that Kandahar, Guy Riches the Covenant, Operation Fortune, Nefarious, and Marlowe aren't doing well at the box office. Uh, people hate entertainment and love being preached to. It's not necessarily true, though, Master of Gaming, because we know that there are films that have come out that have preached that have not made money. We, we know that there are bad movies that come out that don't make money. We also know that there are good movies that sometimes lose money and sometimes they make it. Um... So I'm in, I'm disappointed in the Covenant because I've seen that. I'm disappointed in Operation Fortune and, and Nefarious. Again, all three of those films I think are great. I have not seen Marlowe, but based on everything I saw, it looked like yet another one of these generic um, films that that is put out with Liam Neeson every single year. So I just don't have an interest in that. Kandahar, it looked like the very typical. You know, it's it seems that he's kind of gone on a trend more recently in uh, you know Gerard Butler, another generic Gerard Butler uh, action film too. So. Obviously, I'm not going to judge the films individually, but based on the trends, I can't speak to those. But those other ones, yeah, I'm sad that they didn't make money. I'm sad that, especially in the case of The Covenant, it ended up losing quite a bit. Nefarious, we don't know a budget, and so we can't really say one way or the other. But with Nefarious, at the very least, you can look at those weekly numbers, and you can see that audiences, actually, the ones that were seeing it, were actually responding very, very well. Right, we, we saw very minimal drops between weeks. We saw very high per theater ratios, uh, especially for how many theaters it actually had access to and how much blacklisting uh, a lot of the process has been. You know uh, how difficult it has been for so much of the process of making and, and promoting and putting that film out there for sure. So, um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean though. I definitely hear your frustration for sure. Ryan Liu, what's going on? Uh, I do not think it's going to make a billion dollars. We'll dive further into those numbers in a second. Um, but in general, just to you know answer that quickly, I would say no. Rob D says, I want Ryan to do a video dressed as a mermaid if Little Mermaid hits a billion dollars. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you take that up with him if you want to make that bet with him. And if he would be willing to take it, I don't think he would. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's one of those things, too, where... You know, would I I would be genuinely surprised if it did, which is why it's not very probable for it to do so. And we'll again we'll we'll talk about why the numbers back that up um in in a few minutes once we get through these initial chats. By the way, thank you again for for being here, everybody. Ikthulu, only way I'm watching Little Mermaid is the EFAP edition. Hey, I respect that. Super anime gamer. I'm glad to say all I know about the Little Mermaid is the movie is way too dark and Aquafina is annoying. Yes, Aquafina, worst part of the movie. Right? You know, people might suspect that the worst part of the movie would be certain casting choices or certain other elements, right? I think that the end, especially with the changing of who saves who, is is a really bad choice, especially story-wise. It's just a really bad one. Doesn't make sense logically. But the Aquafina casting, I think, is something universally most people, even if someone genuinely liked the film, I would hope they would at the very least have the wherewithal to say, yeah, you know what? The Aquafina casting as... As the bird, probably not the best thing ever. Her song, yeah, probably the worst song and the most annoying song in the entire movie. Her rap. Oh, man, and it was bad. It was real. I remember I was in the theater, and I was just like, um... And I was kind of just also looking around to see what the reaction was. Because the theater I went to, there were different groups, right? There were, it was obviously much more heavily female demographic. Uh, but there were some, you know, older... Older women, not like old, old women, but 
somewhere in the 30 to 50s range, right? Maybe people who uh, were there with their kids or were there because they grew up with, you know, really enjoying the original animated version. Um, and then there was also a lot more college age uh, women there too. And I will say this much, a lot of a lot of them were reacting. That's why I think I mentioned this in my review too. I, I'm not surprised that it's doing actually pretty decently domestically, right? It's domestic numbers are actually not terrible. They're not great, right? They're not amazing. They're, they're not record setting, but they are still strong. They are still doing very well. I think a lot better than what a lot of us would have suspected even just a few months ago, even just a month ago. So I see though the audience reactions to the movie and I think, okay, clearly this movie is going to resonate with some people. Clearly some people will think this film is funnier than it actually is. And some people were even laughing at the Aquafina parts. Not so much when it came to the song, because going back to that, I wasn't hearing a lot of laughter for that. I wasn't seeing a lot of people getting into that one. So, yeah, I would have loved to have actually uh, surveyed them and been like, hey, what did you actually think about this specific song itself? Zach Gregg, what's going on? Welcome back. Great Wuda, your reactions if Lionsgate is in very early productions for John Wick 5. I, I know that it's been announced but here's the other thing, too. When they say they're in early production, that means they're in pre-production. That means that they don't have a script yet, or if they do, it's the very early stages of that script. So my reaction is, hey, I like the John Wick universe. I like the John Wick franchise. And if anyone has not seen John Wick 4 yet, I, I won't go into a direct spoiler. But let's just say the franchise could very much uh, end with 4. It, it would be a very nice and neat ending. That being said, there is also, I think, some other things you could still do with the story. And so we don't know for sure what that film would look like, what kind of story it would tell. So right now it's a little too early. Right now it's just a little too early. Uh, Amazing Baking Soda, tag to say. In this remake of Little Mermaid, Sebastian looks like a crab louse. I mean, a lousy crab. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Ginger Ninja, what's going on? Osmondias in the chat as well. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Jenna Wingster trying to say, also, Eric saving Ariel I'd, is what convinces Triton that humans can be okay and lets her marry him. Yeah, I think, Wingster, you may have mentioned that um, at some point. And it's a very good one. If not you, it was someone else. And it's true, right? That is a huge moment in the character development of, of King Triton. And it also goes into what I think is easily the worst line of the entire movie. Right, So you have bad music, you have bad voice acting done by uh, Aquafina, But one of the worst lines, especially story-wise, comes at the very end. When Ariel is trying to talk to her father. And she's trying to... So as you mentioned, she has now taken away that key moment, that key event that is supposed to change the entire heart of the character of Triton. And instead, it's become... No, now Ariel's going to be talking to her father, and now when he mentions, or when she mentions this moment, she says, and Eric, he was there. <laughs> I mean, that's not a direct quote, but essentially, she said, and Eric was there, trying to make it as if, oh, well, you know, humans aren't all that, being, when I was off, you know, killing Ursula, you know, being the hero, he was there, you know, he was distracting her, he, he, he was present, so doesn't that mean that humans aren't all that bad? Which is dumb. Which is stupid. It does not make any sense story-wise. Um, but yeah, that was one of the worst moments for me. And actually, I think I almost even laughed because of how dumb it was. I was like, wait, really? Did she just honestly say, well, Eric was there? What? What are you talking about? What is this? 
All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does, but we got a $5 super chat from Matthew Hammond. Thank you very much, good sir. Appreciate your generosity. Says, Big George Foreman is good. If you have not seen it, it's a great movie that I think you will enjoy. Yeah, I've heard some good things about it. Thank you again for that super chat. And it unfortunately, is another movie that didn't really do a whole lot at the box office either. And it was one, I thought, you know, there are certain elements to it I think I might like. It is it's obviously a film that deals with concepts of faith. And I have always been very clear that I, I try to avoid those movies most of the time because usually they're not done well. But uh, but thank you for letting me know. I, I might have to check that out at some point. I probably won't watch it while it's in theaters. One, because I don't think it's in many theaters still. And uh, two, I, I'm just not quite sure um, if, if it would be something that I would actually want to see in the first place. So but I'm glad that you liked it. All right. We'll do this comment, and then we'll just jump into the actual box office numbers themselves. Uh, themselves, themselves. Rob D. Tag to say, in a lot of forms of media, preservation was an afterthought. Golden Age comics are worth millions now, because back then, comics were like newspapers. You threw them away when done reading. Yeah, it is interesting how our culture has changed so much, where now you keep your comics, you keep your books, you keep your your movies, Blu-rays and 4Ks, etc., and it is kind of amazing. It, it is kind of a, a novelty in many respects. And uh, and that's why I am so passionate about it, right? As you all know, I, I've obviously got my own uh, physical media collection. But for a while, there was actually several months when there started to becoming a lot of news stories about how certain movies were being edited or were being gone after. And it was films like Gone with the Wind. Uh, it was, you know, Song of the South, of course, has already gotten that treatment. But Gone with the Wind was one that was being talked about as far as people going after it. John Wayne's movies as well. You know, it was this age of cancellation. And I remember I was actually really trying to get a lot of these movies, get a lot of these shows and back them up and preserve them. And I was able to do that for a lot of them. Um, and, and luckily, though, it seems that we have kind of staved off that. And and the beautiful thing, too, is, you know, and ultimately the reason why I stopped that project is because the recommendations that I was getting, the vast majority of them were movies that have no actual fear or concern. Because if you think about it in this way, right, if you think about a movie that you really liked or really enjoyed or you think it's a classic, and it's a movie that most people view as a classic, including the studio, if that movie's gotten several re-releases on DVD, on Blu-ray, on 4K, you're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of copies. And so the opportunity or the chance or the likelihood of those films getting lost to history is very minimal, if even non-existent. You would have to destroy every single one of those copies, which would be a very difficult thing to do, right? Um, but yeah, that ultimately was the reason why, was because I was like, okay, I've backed up the ones that actually are more at risk um, and are not really readily available. But, but luckily, we've seemed to have turned a corner a little bit, um, at the very least, and a lot of people I know have been able to buy a lot of these physical medias as well. But anyway, with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into some of these box office numbers, and then we'll get back into your chats. So first off, let's go ahead and talk about the Friday numbers, everybody. So Little Mermaid, of course, the big movie coming out this weekend. It's opening Friday. This would include the Thursday night previews, which were around $10.8 million. It made an extra $20 million on Friday. And those numbers combined together to be $38 million. So not a terrible start for this movie. It is expected to make $100 million come Sunday. And is projected to go upwards of as high as $150 million by Monday over the holiday weekend. Now, whether it gets to that point or not, there's still a lot of questions that, that still remain. 
But regardless of that, as you can see, it is clear and it is clearly the highest box office for this upcoming weekend. So, hey, kudos to them for at least getting the number one movie by a, a country mile. Coming in the number two spot is Fast 10, dropping 78%. So that means that last Friday to this Friday, it's dropped 78%. This is pretty standard for a lot of these bigger budget movies. But it's also not surprising seeing that Fast 10, one, had a very low start, incredibly low start. Uh, in fact, one of the lowest, the second lowest of the entire franchise when you actually adjust their numbers uh, to reflect inflation. The only film that it didn't lose to was that of uh, Fast and Furious 3 of, Ta of, of Tokyo Drift. That one had a, the lowest opening of the franchise, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but Fast 10 didn't really have a massive opening domestically. But it is still doing relatively well internationally. And what's interesting about, and why I've mentioned it in the conversation with Little Mermaid, is you basically are seeing the opposites, right? With Little Mermaid, you're seeing a pretty strong opening domestic weekend, and the projections on it are that the domestic overall should be pretty healthy. Again, not going to be record-breaking, not going to be anything to, to write home about, but it's going to be relatively healthy. And if, and right now that's a massive if, if it was able to have a normal, healthy international release, it would be able to comfortably make a lot of money, enough money probably to make its own money back, to break even, to make profit. We're not seeing that healthy in the international for that movie, though. In hindsight, or in, in, in converse, right, in the opposite direction is Fast 10. Fast 10 is doing basically nothing domestically, right? Right now it's at $91 million, so it'll cross $100 million domestically this weekend. But you're looking at a domestic end of somewhere between 150 and 200, which is not a lot. It's it's not a lot of money. Internationally, however, it is doing quite well, right? This film has made well over 300 plus million dollars internationally. It has a good chance of what getting to 450, 500 plus million when you add in all the international numbers over the weekend. So Fast End doing very well internationally, not doing much domestically. Whereas third film on this list, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This movie is continuing to have strong holds. As you can see, it's Friday to Friday. This is now four or five weeks out from the initial release, 36%. So we're looking at another strong, probably 40s to 50s drop um, now three or four weeks in a row as far as drops are concerned. So Guardians is doing well both domestically and also internationally. Won't make a billion, but it is still doing healthily enough to where it's, again, according to my charting, it's already broken even, it's making profits, but even if you had the films break even at $700 million, it's going to easily pass that um, by Sunday and especially by Monday. Let's dive, though, into these numbers a little bit more when it comes to Little Mermaid, right? So, so far, it's made $38 million domestically, right? We don't have any of the international numbers in. However, according to, uh, the, to Deadline's box office reporting, the film had been projected going into the weekend, so this is both uh, Nancy and... Tony, Nance and Tony over at Deadline, working together, right? Tony tends to deal with the domestic numbers. Nancy tends to deal with the international. And this was the last international uh, article that came out about this movie. So going into the weekend, they were projecting that the film, Little Mermaid, would make about $120 million over the four days. And that $60 million, that's right, $120 over the four days, and then $60 million from everywhere else in the world. Whew. That is abysmal. All right, looking at the actual numbers, as you can see, eyeing at a $180 million start. The majority of that number, and that is a gross understatement, we're talking about the vast majority of that number, will be made stateside with $120 million for the four days. Around $100 million by Sunday. 
This would be the uh, the fifth highest opening in the U.S. Canada for the Friday to Monday Memorial Day weekend price. So, okay, be in the top five. Unadjusted, of course. And that does need to be mentioned. Picks overseas launch in such major markets, except for Japan, which comes out June 9th. But in France, Italy, Korea, Brazil, Germany, UK, Spain, China in subsequent days. For those keeping track, Corella was the last adaptation. Really doesn't count, though, because it was a day and date release and was limited. A lot of things dealing with COVID as well. But notice, the only major player that is not getting Little Mermaid this weekend internationally is Japan. Japan, right, remember, is, is, is a bit of a weird animal, right? Internationally, most of the countries are. But Japan, especially more recently, whether it be with Super Mario Brothers or whether it be with some other uh, comic book adaptations or, or other films like that, it can be hit or miss, right? Depending on when it gets released, depending on what's going on, depending on word of mouth, all of these things have a way of impacting those numbers. And I mention it because for Aladdin, in fact, the movie in Japan ended up making about $100 million. Some people may not have actually known that, but yeah, it actually did pretty well in that country. But I looked at that number. Right. I look to that number. I look to what, you know, and this would be for films like Aladdin films like, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast uh, or, you know, other things like that or or, uh, live action Mulan. Right. Like these films were able to do certain things in certain countries. But the fact that Little Mermaid is only going to get about 60 million dollars in its opening globally is awful. So you might hear a lot of people talking about the 100 to 150 million dollar domestic. And again, that's decent. That's fine, but let's go ahead and actually compare these numbers, all right? Just looking at the first Friday numbers, this includes the Thursday premieres and the Friday numbers, all right? Look at this film compared to the other three major live-action movies. In fact, let me go ahead and see if I can even add uh, Mulan to this list. In fact, I don't even remember if Mulan came out. Actually, no, that's right. I forgot Mulan was actually a part of the COVID years, and so... Probably not the best comparison then because of that. Yeah, that's right. Mulan. Was Mulan a straight-to-DVD release? A straight-to-Disney Plus release? I can't remember. That's how memorable that live-action adaptation of Mulan actually was. But I digress. Comparing the first Fridays of other films, though, pre-pandemic, for The Lion King, right? It's first Friday. It's first Thursday-Friday numbers, $88 million. Aladdin, $35 million. These are adjusted using the numbers calculations. Beauty and the Beast, back in 2017, $74 million. So, right now, this movie domestically is tracking ahead of Aladdin. All right? First Sunday, okay, Aladdin got to $104 million. They're suspecting that Little Mermaid will get pretty close. But what's interesting is that Aladdin, by its first Monday, also for Aladdin, it came out uh, May 24th, right? So, we're talking about very similar times uh, dealing with very similar holiday weekends, right, for both of these movies. So it's really the best comparison that we can look to. $133 million. Well, what's the most recent update from Deadline, at least, when it comes to its domestics? They're saying they think between 120 and $130 million. All right, and this has been updated since, uh, this was updated this morning, right? So this was using the Friday numbers that we had gotten and trying to work those out, right? So usually these types of estimates, even early on like this, are usually pretty good. Right, the big there are of course always exceptions. The best example recently is the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. Remember that film uh, kept getting projections and the and they kept getting it wrong. It kept over you know overperforming to an insane degree. Right, and so could we see that with this movie? We might. It's possible. Do I think it's actually going to happen? No. Right. As I said, were there people in my theater that were eating up every single thing happening? Yes, they were there. 
this film will have an audience. Is that audience going to be able to expand? Right now, the word of mouth on this movie is not overwhelmingly positive. Right? Now, some people might say, well, what about the Rotten Tomatoes score? What about the Cinema Score score? Well, y'all have heard my thoughts on both of those scores and how unreliable they actually are. But as far as the general sentiment, looking at other sites, Metacritic's was really, really down the dumps. IMDb's also really down too, right? Where there's usually a little bit more freedom in in uh, your responses. Doesn't mean that they're perfect, but it also does show this is, this is not getting universal praise amongst audiences. This, this is not a universally loved movie. This is not a universally praised movie. And because of that, you're not going to see in all likelihood, the same kind of, of surprises that Super Mario Brothers movie was able to provide. I don't think this movie is going to have that. So that 120 to $130 million then could be more, could be less. We'll wait and see. But comparing that then to the $133 million of Aladdin by its first Monday, okay, now the film needs to start worrying. Because remember that when it came to these other movies, Lion King, Lion King made $1.2 billion internationally. Aladdin made $788 million internationally. Beauty and the Beast, $890 internationally. Little Mermaid's opening to $60. It's opening to $60. And even though those are the total international runs, I can guarantee you, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can guarantee you that all of those movies had much higher than $60 million in their opening weekends, respectively. So what would I suspect tomorrow? I think that once Deadline's update comes out, and their international update comes out, you're going to see Little Mermaid is going to be tracking far behind in most of these countries, all of these other live actions. And the one, as I said, the one I'm going to look at especially is going to be Aladdin because there are a lot of similarities as far as their releases are concerned, especially the time of year. And so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see where the film actually ends up because though it is tracking very similarly, and guess what? Aladdin ended around $405 million domestically. So you could say that's a possibility. But with internationally it opening to $60 million, what? Were we thinking maybe $200 to $300 million internationally when all is said and done? I think that's being fair. So you're dealing with a movie that what? Makes somewhere between six and $700 million? This movie costs $250 million to make. You know, on the low end here, you're, you're talking about a film that needs to make, you know, what? 625 to 700 million dollars to break even some might even have higher than that so you're dealing with a film that has a good chance of actually losing money and has a has a decent chance and we'll wait and see again the numbers tomorrow will make things a little bit more clear but even a chance of losing a ton of money but we will wait on that information so anyway those are the numbers for little mermaid let me know your thoughts below right now if also you want to get an update as well before moving back into the chat fast 10 currently at 387 million dollars as you can see it's only doing international you know this this film is basically going to see what the little mermaid is doing right now internationally which is nothing that's what fast 10 is going to be and then internationally you're going to see what you know little mermaid's doing domestically not total num one to no one numbers but as far as just general percentages go you're likely to see something similar. That's why I think both will might, will might end up you know, making around the same amount of money as far as the total box office is concerned when all is said and done. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And then Guardians right now is at 687, but I think there's a good chance this movie gets, you know, not only is it going to, it is going to pass $700 million this weekend. Uh, with the internationals, you could see it get upwards of $750 million 
And if it gets to 750 by this weekend, that means it's already going to be past or working past, uh, you know, Thor 4th, Thor 11 Thunder. And it's not going to be a lot of, it's not going to be very difficult after that for it to be able to catch up to the likes of even a, a Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And again, somewhere between eight and $900 million is where I think that film is going to end up. All right, back in the chat. Kincaid Rumsky over on Rumble says, who would you have cast as The Little Mermaid? I think I mentioned this in my review, actually, that, again, I I don't have, now that I've seen her performance, I really don't have a huge issue with, with Halle Bailey as an actress. The issue, of course, is that we know Disney, in their decisions, because they've shown this pattern, we know that that was not the reason why she was cast. Some people may not like that. Some people might make comfortable with that. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we know that that's not how Disney is running business these days. We know that they are politically motivated. We know that they are racially motivated. And we know that that had an impact in their decision. Um, you know, again, luckily they chose somebody who who could actually perform, who could actually sing, who could actually fit that, that teenage persona that the character is supposed to have. Um, but anyway, as far as off the top of my head, though, in my review, I mentioned what I think is is likely going to be or what I think would have been a cool thing to see. I don't think she would have fit this age, by the way, the one I'm, I'm going to recommend. But her name is Sierra Burgess. All right. Sierra Burgess actually originated the Broadway edition of Little Mermaid. It's a very interesting way that they handled it. In fact, all the scenes with swimming, they actually did it with uh, with one tails that had like some mechanical elements so that it would move at certain times. But then also they would essentially skate across the stage. They would basically use, if you've ever remember, I think some people might still have these, but do you remember back in the day there were like wheelies and shoes? So you would just, you know, uh, put your feet back and you could just slide and you could just, you know, glide across uh, wherever it is you were going. They used those essentially. And so it was able to mimic movement through water very effectively for a stage show, especially it was actually very innovative and it was very clever how they did that. But Sierra Burgess, if you want to just find out, look her, look up just her edition of Part of Your World, and you'll say, oh, this, this woman has an amazing voice. This, this woman's got pipes. This woman can sing incredibly well. Uh, so I, I would have gone that route. Uh, I would have gone the route of Sierra Burgess because she actually can sing. I think she's a little too old for the part. Um, and again, that's the reason why I would never have wanted this film to ever become live action because it just doesn't, it just doesn't suit it. The story itself just does not actually benefit from a live-action take. Let's see. Abomination over on Odyssey says, The remake, Sebastian, looks more like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob than the cartoon Sebastian. It does. In fact, in the movie, there's one line about uh, being crusty. And I don't know if that's from the original or not, but all I could think about from that point on was, oh, the crusty crab. Ha. Uh, Carl. Coral, Coral, Coral. What's going on, Carl? Sorry, a little late. Was watching Drunk 3PO. Hey, Drunk 3PO is amazing. Shout out to him. Never have to apologize if you're watching him. Uh, Miss Windows Hockey fan. Ariel stole Eric's thunder by killing the villain. Not cool. Yeah, and, and that's, again, it's a problem not only story-wise because it takes away that balance of her saving him in the beginning, him saving her at the end, but also they, throughout the movie, make it very clear that Eric loves the sea, loves the sea, Right, he loves sailing. He loves doing all that stuff, and he's very well trained. He knows exactly what he's doing. When things go bad, he's able to figure things out pretty quickly. Ariel has no experience sailing. Just because she happens to have been on a boat does not mean that she now know how knows how to actually steer that boat or knows how to actually do anything. 
Some defenders might try to say, well, she was watching. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's how you learn everything. It's just by watching. You know, I'm not I'm not a boat person. And I can say, if I was just watching someone sail a boat, I would not just say, hey, I was watching for a long time. I think I could do what you're going to do, all right? But yeah, she has no experience whatsoever, and yet she's the one, not Eric, the actual like sea captain, the actual seafarer, the one who has all this experience, right, who would be able to handle these old rickety boats that have been taken out from the depths, right, to actually handle that situation and steer that ship into the heart of Ursula. No, they give it to her with no experience whatsoever. Very typical Disney, right? Very typical modern-day Disney trope and and Disney uh, choice, right? But, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Let's see. Bad new uh, C7 over on Rumble. What's going on? Welcome. Appreciate you being here. Let's see. Cthulhu. Who is a member says, yeah, the hardest thing to perform on stage or screen is to be a bad actor. Yeah, again, it's it's something to where if you are an actual bad actor, it's very, very clear. It's something that a lot of people will pick up on. Even people who like a movie can pick up on those things. So that's why when, when I hear people say that, I think, OK, I don't know why. You know, maybe that is your own subjective experience is that you just did not enjoy the performance or it could be that you already went in with preconceived notions and so your mind is basically experiencing it and telling you that it's bad because of 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 those preconceived notions. Those all those are all things that could I think be true. But yeah, I do have a problem when people say she's a bad actress, right? I'm not saying she's a good actress, mind you. I'm just saying to say that she is objectively bad, I I think is disingenuous. Master Gaming, Odin, I meant the Little Mermaid remake doing well, and Deadline saying Kandahar, Marlowe, and Renfield doing poorly at the box office because people aren't interested in strong role models to men. Well, you didn't mention that in the first comment, so how could I have possibly actually picked up that reference? (laughs) Uh, Carl says, I still love the original animation. Yeah, in fact, after the movie, after I got home, before I did my review, I wanted to make sure, I was like, look, it's been a long time since I've seen the original animated film. Let me go back to that ending again. And yeah, it, it's, again, night and day. Because you also have it where this vortex that's created by Ursula leaves um, her, right? Leaves uh, Ariel at the bottom just all alone on dry ground because of this, uh, because of the vortex, right? Leaves a patch of gri- uh, dry ground. And then she's, like, shooting laser bolts at her. And then that's what causing Eric to be like, okay, I need to take all the skills that I've learned and I need to, t- you know, step in and save the day. Right. But all that was taken away. Instead, she was instead of, you know, that he was the damsel in distress. Right. And he was the one that was on ships and then could not figure out a way to to do something with them, which, again, does not make any sense whatsoever. Let's see. General Wingster, he is our pet troll. So you have been warned. But Odin, she's black. I have to criticize everything about her. Yeah. Again, that, that is, of course, the trope. Right. That's the trope that people have is saying, oh, the only reason why you would possibly dislike this movie is because you are a racist or any other ist or any other foe. But it's like, no, that's that is, you know, objectively not true. And it's also just a very it is a very easy way, though, to kind of move away from having to actually defend your position. And and that's why we know people oftentimes will will do this. Right. We'll use this tactic. We'll try to. We'll, we'll try to shut down any conversation by saying, well, why would I talk to you if you're an ist or if you're a phobe? It's, oh, it's because you can't actually articulate your position is the reason why you're going that route instead. Uh, see, Forever Sci-Fi says, I'm 50-50. 
on Disney live action remakes because I only ever watched Cinderella and the Jungle Book. Yeah, from what I've seen of the Jungle Book live action, I didn't like it. Actually, no, I, I saw that one. I, yeah, I, I did not think that was a good one. I, I walked out of that one. The CGI especially was not well done. And, and some of the changes to the songs and such, it just it didn't work. Uh, Cinderella, I will argue, I, I very much am on board with Shad, who last night on Friday Night Tights was talking about that movie, defending it. I think that is absolutely a, a good film. Now, he goes as far to say as he thinks the live-action remake from 2015 is better than the original animation. I don't agree with that. I, I, I like the mice. I, I like the songs from the original. And so I, I, will not, I will not take it that far. But I've mentioned this previously. I think that the 2015 Cinderella is actually very well made. It doesn't change things story-wise too much which is why I think if anyone said it was a worthless or pointless remake, you would be spot on because it's not changing, which is a good thing, right? It's, we, we don't like when things get changed, but then when things don't get changed, we start to question more so well, why was it even made in the first place, right? So I think that, yeah, that movie itself, though, is a very well done, well crafted film, a good adaptation. Not It's basically, it does no harm. And that's really the best you can say with pretty much any of these remakes. <laughs> Let's see. Orin Chat says, Odin life is full of trade-offs. I can maintain my boycotts of Disney in theaters, but I still have my Disney Plus. I don't hold anyone's choices against them unless it's a grave offense. Yeah, I, I respect that. I absolutely respect that. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that that is something that is interesting, right? Is when you do get those comments, right? Saying like, how can you say this, but then do that, etc. It's always fun to me, especially when people bring up that comment and relate it to China. Right. Saying like, oh, well, you're giving money by XX this. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Do you have a phone? Do you have a computer? Do you have anything that has that is, you know, that is technology in any way? Okay. Then you are just as responsible because every piece of tech. And I would have to do probably a ton of research to find something where you could actually prove that some piece of tech doesn't have components. But every piece of tech has at least some component in it that comes from China. You know, so to do a complete and total boycott of anything is is not as it's not normally a possible possibility, especially when it comes to things like like tech. Uh, I'll see your average patriot nerd. What's going on? Welcome back to the chat. Dan Crane. What's up? Says, hail Odin. I'm waiting for my ride off the baseball field. Watching on my smart feel smartphone from the dugout. God bless Dan Crane. Well, thank you very much for watching, for listening. I appreciate that. And uh, I hope that the game went well. Hope the game went well. Uh, Jeremy Skowski, how about a new bet? The Little Mermaid hits a billion dollars. The losers have to listen to Scuttlebutt song for one hour. That I mean, again, that that's a but that that's a but that's a bet I would take because that's one that would be one that I think is it's fair, right? In that it is torturous for pretty much anyone. So it it, it would be something that every person would be suffering from. I don't know of anyone that actually likes that song. Uh, <laughs> just I, I, they, they probably exist, but I don't know of any of them that actually would say they actively would seek out to listen to that one. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of just yeah, I don't know about bets at this point. I kind of learned my lesson. Uh, for sci-fi, as bad as normies are, consumers are worse. Anything Disney craps out, they consume without thought or care. And that's really most modern Hollywood, too, you know, because I think sometimes we actually give too much hatred towards Disney and 
and and leave other studios out. And we have to keep we have to be honest, right? There's other studios that are doing a lot of the same things. I think Disney's been more egregious and more so the properties that Disney owns are much more impactful and important, especially now that they have got the entire Fox library, etc. So uh, anyway, I saw that comment from General Wingster. I wasn't hitting on anybody. I was just like, Ugh, I'm here. Let, let's let's get this over with. Uh, Master of Gaming says, after watching uh, Zayed Magneta's review of Little Mermaid Remake, I won't support it uh, this Wednesday. I might watch something else. Any recommendations, Odin? Let me try to think about what else is out at this point in time. My 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 head, my brain, is not very strong when it comes to picking things out like that. So I'm, I'm pulling up my handy-dandy AMC app. Oh, you want me to rate that movie? Okay. I gave it two stars. I don't like the star ratings. You all know I, I like the grade I gave. For those that haven't seen my uh, Little Mermaid review, I did give it a C- because I did think that there were some things in there that actually worked. Uh, the vast majority of it does not, though. It's, it's a C- where it's like, yeah, and I never want to see it again. I, I can live the rest of my life never desiring to ever spend a single moment watching it again. So if you're not going to watch that, if you happen to be a Fast and Furious fan, Fast 10 is out. Guardians 3, you've heard my thoughts about that. There's a new film called The Machine. I haven't heard much about it myself. About my father, uh, I don't think that one looked good from what I can remember. Kandahar looks generic. Book Club, <laughs> you could see Book Club sequel. Evil Dead Rise, not my thing. You hurt my feelings. Haven't heard of that. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Super Mario Brothers movie is still out as well. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it's there. Um, and then The Wrath of Becky. So not a whole lot out at this point in time. John Wick 4, if it's still out, I, I could recommend John Wick 4 still. Uh, but those are the films that are currently playing in the local AMC near me. Yeah, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I know nothing about that one. Apparently, The Land Before Time came back at a couple of these locations as a $5 favorite. So... Okay. Hopefully that helped. Ichthulu. LOL. Eric was there to hold my purse. He helped. Exactly. Ichthulu. That, that is how it seemed. That is very much how it seemed. <laughs> oh, man. Also nefarious if it happens to be playing near you. But it's not playing in many places. But it's great. It is fantastic. Uh, Matthew Hammond. Big George Foreman actually does a faith movie well. And again, I, I, I respect... And appreciate and hear that you enjoyed it and thought it did well. I'm just saying the vast majority of them don't, including the ones that some people, a lot of people even think do. So, but I, I do appreciate it. Uh, Miss Minnesota Hacker fan says, I think Ariel having dreads is kind of a strange choice. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's something that they, it, it's not as if you see it and you think to yourself, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So it's not complete. It's one of those things where it's not completely out of place, but you're also like, did you actually have to go that route? Remember sci-fi. Apparently, the Chinese are white supreme pizzas because they hate the changes made for the live-action version. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly the reason as to why it's not doing well in China, but again, I think there might be a plethora of reasons. But even without China, again, sixty million dollars overseas and i don't know they haven't updated that number since just a few days ago so 
you know, could it be a higher international? Possibly. But even without China, you're still looking at a film that is what? 50 million from the rest of the countries. China is not going to be a major player for that movie. And it doesn't look like any of those countries are. But we will see. We will definitely see. All right. Let's see. Gonzalo Bergali, welcome back. Welcome to the chat. Super Anime Gamer says, Hey, what's up, my dude? Well, I added that for you. So thank you for being here. It isn't, and it isn't Memorial Day weekend, notoriously difficult for movies. How's Little Mermaid doing in comparison to other past holiday releases? So I think I mentioned it, it was mentioned in the article that this is set to be the fifth highest domestic opening for this weekend. And it would be just above the opening weekend that Aladdin had. And Aladdin was also a Memorial Day release. So, I mean, people always say that holiday weekends are are bad for movies. But, yeah, I mean, some people I think are also unfairly uh, mentioning. Because I believe that Top Gun, Maverick, came out over that frame. So, let me try and see if I can... And I say that's unfair because, I mean, let's be honest, Top Gun Maverick is on a whole other league and level compared to any of these other movies. Uh, but let me see. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it opened May 27th. So it would have also have been a Labor Day weekend. Or sorry, not Labor Day. Memorial Day weekend. So for that movie, Maverick, that's actually interesting. So Maverick made $52 million on its first Friday. By its first full weekend, it was at $126 million. By its first Monday at 160. But we also know that this movie had numbers to where it was tracking so well. Its drops were so strong day to day. And it, it again, it's week one and week two drop off. So the fact, especially going back to Maverick. Remember Maverick had an insane historic week one and week two drop, right? It was in the teens, if memory serves. It was either in the teens or the low 20s. That's an insane hold from week one to week two. So an entirely different league, right? That movie uh, domestically ended its box office run at over $700 million, right? So that's not going to happen with this movie. But, but, with that being said, it is still up there, right? It's in the top five for the, um, for the Memorial Day weekend domestically. So... It's playing, it's just not playing incredibly well. And because especially its international numbers are zip and bumpkiss, it's not going to be able to do it. Uh, Meatball, what's going on, Meatball? Welcome back to the chat. Uh, King and Rumsky, what was the last movie you saw twice in theaters? I might try to make that nefarious next week if it's still playing. In the, I think it's still playing actually in a couple of the theaters near me. But in theaters, honestly, I can't really remember the last one that I actually saw twice. There's been several films that I've seen more recently, twice or more at home, and that's mostly because Baby Thor. I, I've seen My Neighbor Totoro. I just finished it. I've, I've I've seen My Neighbor Totoro twice today. Great film, by the way. Great Miyazaki movie. Great anime. But that's a film that I've seen probably between five and ten times over the last few weeks. He's he's on a very big Totoro kick, which I don't mind. He he usually gets obsessed with with good films. Right, the films that he's gotten obsessed with are films like Totoro, films like uh, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, which is a phenomenal movie. Uh, you also uh, we watched Finding Nemo today as well. It's pretty amazing for him. It's also it's how I know for sure. Not that I have any doubts, but it's how I know for sure. Especially he is he is my son. He is here's my son. He is my child. 
because he's not even three and he can watch an amazing film. <laughs> and he's got pretty good taste in film. He doesn't have very good taste in food. But anyway, let's see. Rob D. Tad to say, Disney just says anything to try and combat backlash. It's a remake of the 89 film, but we want it to be faithful to the source material, but she's supposed to represent real mermaids. Yeah, I mean, anytime, especially with this film, I think it's hilarious. So if they honestly said, because I don't follow too much about what they say out, you know, in the public release about their changes and what they justified. But if they said anything, if that's real, Rob D, and I know that you're pretty reliable with this stuff about trying to go back to source material. Okay, if you're caring that much about source material, then why didn't she die? Why wasn't Prince Eric already married? Because that's at least, according to my wife, the story is that she falls in love with this Eric character, and he's already married. And so, as a sign of love, she actually ends up sacrificing her life. So it's a very tragic ending, right? I, I describe that as a very dark ending. That didn't happen here, right? That, that's not what happened in this case. So it sounds just like what typical Disney does. They're trying to use that excuse of, well, we're trying to make it more realistic and we're trying to, you know, have it be much more, uh, you know, we're having, we're trying to have it be much more, uh, not just the source, source material, but also uh, more modern in its approach and more realistic and all these other things because, you know, mermaids are so real and all. But they end up just completely shooting themselves in the foot on it because you're like, oh, wait a minute. What did you actually try to emulate from the original? Because I'm not seeing it. Yes, Osmodeus. I saw that in live chat. Yeah, she sacrifices herself and then she becomes foam. That's right. She becomes foam on the seashore. That didn't happen. Anyway, back into the YouTube chat. Steven, tagged to say, and he has a few comments it looks like. Says, Disney did get lucky for choosing an actress that can sing and fit the role, even though we know Disney chose her for political... Yeah, exactly. That's something where, had she been bad? Oh, I know that my, my channel would have been crucified. Because you all know, when when there's someone who is a, a legitimately bad actor, right? Who, who absolutely cannot act. You know, I will always call that stuff out. And so, had that happened with this movie, oh lord, you would have seen me going after the performance given by Halle Bailey. Um, Haley Bailey, I, I, again, I don't, I care, but I don't care about whether I'm getting that right, but I, I would have been critical of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. I heard even some people saying that they thought the performance by the actor who played Prince Eric was better. And I was like, wait a minute. If there's anyone who actually should have more criticism, it is the performance given by Prince Eric. Like he actually was much more stone-like and much more. Uh, lacking of dynamism in his performance, a very boring one. And again, even though I say that, I didn't. I, again, I don't think it's, I don't think he gave a bad performance either. But his was much less dynamic. You know, she didn't have range necessarily, but also the way the character was played was not meant to really show that. If that makes sense. Uh, Steven, time to say, surprising Little Mermaid wasn't all that bad. Actually, in my opinion, best Disney live-action movie. Oh, you're wrong on that one, Steven. Although, that's not saying much, as the others were actually trash. Where do you rank? Again, I think saying this is one, the best of the Disney live-actions, is a is an affront to decency. Because to say that this film is somehow better than 2015 Cinderella, 
it, that's a crime and a travesty. If you've not seen the 2015 Cinderella, I, I actually do recommend it. It actually is a very lovely movie. It was actually the film that my wife and I watched on our first date. I It's funny, though. I enjoy the film much more than she does. But then also, she is not a big Cinderella fan. So, <laughs> great choice on my part. But, no. The, so, the way I would rank this one in the live-action lexicon of Disney's live-action remakes is I have, really, Cinderella is the only one that I think is bearable. All the others are either okay, but just I, I I would never want to watch them again, or just really, really bad. I don't think this is the worst, right? Mulan was pretty bad. Aladdin was also pretty bad, too. Lion King I also didn't like. But I think with Lion King, and you can kind of look at the box office to see... You know, that film made, what, $1.8 billion, and uh, it ended up making a decent amount of money on on home video after the fact. So, you know, yeah, I, I would probably say it's around Lion King. So, bad, but there are some things, like, even with Lion King, I was like, there are some things that I can actually point to that I, that I think you could, you know, commend, but in general, it's still not a good film. Uh, let's see. General Wingster tried to say, when you say Sierra Burgess, it reminded me of that awful Netflix movie. Oh, no, no I'm talking about the actual uh, Broadway actress. Uh, Master of Gaming tried to say, Cinderella and Jungle Book are, in my opinion, my favorite Disney live-action remakes. Most of the others are inferior to the original. Yeah. J-Man, what's going on? Miss Minnesota fan says, I like the 2015 Cinderella better, better than the animated one. Oh, okay. You actually agree with Shad. I don't. I, I was I definitely was missing the the singing mice. Let's see over on Odyssey. Let's see Abomination. Let me make sure it's the most up to date comment. Uh, I just calculated Box Office Mojo's list of international openings for Aladdin, and it comes to 106 million. Interesting side note: China is listed as its own separate thing, not part of Asia Pacific. That is interesting. Uh, oh, just saw Box Office Mojo says domestic opening for Aladdin was 91 million. Yeah. But again, I would have to actually see those numbers because when I see those numbers without the context of what days, total days, total weekend, I can get myself mentally confused. Kincaid Rumsky says, is Halle Bailey related to Halle Berry? I see what you did there. I see what you did there. But that's the reason why is because I think about uh, Halle Bailey. Sorry, I think about Halle Berry, the actress, and then I see her name, and I'm like, is it Halle Bailey, or is it really as that fun Haley Bailey? Right? It just I don't know. I feel like Haley Bailey can't be it because it's like my name is Haley Bailey. I don't know. There's just something a little bit too rhyming with that one. I don't know. A little, a little too fun. But that's just my own thought. Dan Blackroy, what's going on? Uh, let's see. Forever Sci-Fi. Who is a member says, our government has sold us uh, out to China since Nixon went over there. It's impossible to boycott them. It is. It, it honestly is. I mean, I, I was talking about technology, a lot of medicine too. It's good luck if you're going to ever try a full boycott. Let's see. Super. Exactly. Materials taken out of Africa and products manufactured in China. Yeah. So that's why should we try to do everything that we can to try to change things? Yes, absolutely. Um, but going back to what you were saying and others have said, about, you know, if you shame somebody for their their viewpoint on such a thing, again, with especially when it comes to something to that effect, it, it just doesn't work. 
Uh, a Goat, 1971. Live-action versions of these classic animated films are just abominations. All of them, in my view. I would rather watch Kamala Harris lecture children about space. At least that is good comedy. A Goat, I, again, I, I do respect that position. And, and I go back to, I don't think any of these remakes are in and of themselves worthy of existence. Meaning, okay, you had the original animated film. The only reason to... And I would go back to even the animated sequels, because just because it's animated doesn't mean that it's it's only good because of that, right? You go back to any of these films and their sequels, most of the time, the sequels they made, you were like, no, this, there's no reason for this. There's nothing being added. There's nothing being built. There's nothing being built upon. And that's what's going on with all of these live-action remakes, is that you're either getting a, you know, a shot-for-shot shot remake, or... Uh, a story for story element, right? I think Cinderella 2015, you could say, all right, this is pretty much the same story. There's a couple of things where you're like, okay, they're fleshing this out a little bit more. They're taking away this a little bit. But in the general, the story is is very much, you know, beat for beat the same, right? Okay, well, oh, so you're not adding anything. You're not expanding upon anything really. So what's the point? In the case of a film like Little Mermaid, you're like, okay, you're changing a lot of things. What's the point? What What's the purpose of this? And it's clear that they're out of ideas. They think, oh, we can make a lot of money off of these. These are major properties. People love these things still. Yes, people love the original 90s, 80s, you know, going back decades animated films and would love to go back and rewatch those, would love to have remastered versions of those, would love to have extra special editions of those, would love for you to maybe even have... Think about this. Imagine if they were to come together and make a film where... It is the original actors, the voice actors even, right? The original voice actors, and they could do this for both animated and live action, having some type of collaboration. And, and, and it's not meant to build or to establish or to start like a, a, an expanded universe of things, but it's just meant to be fun. I'm kind of reminded about how they did something similar on, it was Red Nose Day, I think is what it's called in the UK, but the film Love Actually, great movie. Right, a very fun movie, uh, a tragic movie, a, a lot of elements, a lot of things going on. They ended up doing a follow-up to that movie, but it was something done with the original actors. Specifically, it was done for charity. That's something where I'm like, no, this is something that's actually being done for something. I think that's a good reason because people love the original, so they would like to see where these characters are now, but only if it's being done the right way. And so if you're doing it where it's being done just out of fun because of, you know, trying to raise money for charity or raise awareness for this charity, okay, that's a great that's a great reason, right? But let's say they were able to do some kind of collaboration of having the characters of Aladdin interacting with the characters of all, like, their entire animated universe having, you know, make a Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts type thing, right? They're all the characters from these different universes that are, uh, you know, all associating with each other and all, you know, interacting with each other. That could be fun, right? But instead, what they're doing is they're saying, oh, let's just take the same thing and let's regurgitate it. Oh, and in 10 years, we'll take the live action and then we'll just readapt that instead. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Bianca Zombie over on Rumble says, Aquafina ruins everything. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of things that I could think of off the top of my head that I could say that she did well. Let's see. Bad News C says, it's like I tell my kids, nothing good comes easy. No. It, it takes a lot of time. It, it takes a lot of... Um, it, it takes a lot of effort and focus and attention. And 
really what it comes down to it, love, right? If you're going to create something that's truly good, you need to have love. Shorty short. Cougars need love. <laughs> All right. From, from Mamata Major General. She says, Cougars need love too, Odin. Yeah, just not from me. I'm taken. <laughs> Master of gaming. When will you do 2022 box office breakdown like you did 2021? In 2021, Sony Universal did the best. 2022, it was Paramount and A24. I thought I had done something already with that, actually. Or maybe I was starting to put the charts together and I was being driven insane trying to do it. Um, I thought I had done something similar to that already. But maybe I haven't. At this point, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think we're a little too far away from that, but we'll see. Uh, Miss Minnesota fan, I still like the animated Cinderella. Okay, okay, good. Glad to hear it. I just, I don't quite understand that one. The thinking that one's, yeah. Uh, Titan, what's up? Welcome back. Super says, Ariel legit gave Eric a participation trophy. Yes, exactly. She literally did. She literally did. Oh, and Eric, he was there. Forever sci-fi. Wait, the machine is about Bert Kreischer. I may have to see that when it's a rental. That comedy bit of his about being the machine is great and apparently true. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I the Seeing the trailer for it several times, I just, I didn't get it. It wasn't resonating with me because I was like, wait, is this real? Is this based off a true story? Is this just being elaborated upon? I was very confused. Master Gaming, I'm going to see John Wick 4 this Wednesday. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. John Wick 4 is phenomenal. That's a good choice. Great choice there. All right. Back into the chats here. Laura says, better to have a pineapple on pizza eater than a picky eater, in my honest opinion. Oh, so I'm just getting nothing but hate from that, Laura. Because I am, I, I, I am, I was and am that picky eater. How dare you? How dare you? I think you were talking more about uh, Baby Thor. So I, I definitely agree. Yeah, again, when I say that I don't like his his food choices, I say that as someone who is very much happy he's making the food choices that he is. Right Outside of the occasional, you know, the pineapple on pizza, he will... He eats his fruits. He eats his uh, he eats his veggies. He will will eat all the things that he should be eating. Um, the fact that he views fruit as like a sweet and and as a treat is is something that I'm very happy with because I'm not like that at all. And it's not because of how I was raised. It was just because of how I uh, how I am. Um, and, and so I'm I'm so happy to see him not following in that same track as I am. Let's see, Carl. OMG, I'm so tired of hearing about the message. I know, seriously, right? Because reasons, what's going on? I feel like it's been forever. What's up? Uh, Sherry Allen says, your wife is correct. Eric in the source material is either already married or had to had the choice to kill Eric to get back. That's right. She had to kill, in the original story, she had to kill Eric to get her legs back after watching Eric getting wed to another woman. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's, right. that's what she was, that's what my wife had been saying too. Yeah. So, yeah. Disney. Going back to the source material, you say? Trying to use the source material as some kind of a crutch? What element of the source material did you actually bring into your movie? Oh, that's right. Nothing. Because what did your film actually bring? Nothing. Steven. Actually, I haven't seen the 2015 Cinderella, so I'll give it a shot. What about Jungle Book? Was that good? I didn't like Jungle Book. Some people do. Uh, some people in this chat, for instance, did enjoy it. I, I was not a fan of it, personally. I did not like... The CGI, especially, was very, very rough. The voice casting, I don't think, was also as, as, as good as it could have been. 
when you hear Bill Murray as Baloo, you're like, oh, that that sounds like a great casting. But in in practice, or you hear about also, I don't know why it's it's been forever since I've seen it. But you also have um, as uh, the King Monkey. Uh, you know, my name is. Why am I blanking out on his name? But anyway, everyone who hears that voice should be able to pick up on who that is. Uh, but Christopher Walken, Abomination, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, Christopher Walken. So you hear those things, you're like, oh, that sounds phenomenal. And then in practice, it, it just wasn't as good as as it would have, as I think it could have been. But thanks, Abomination, you got me. It also tells me that the delay on Odyssey is the smallest in, in comparison. Kick and Rumsky comes back with Forrest Gump. How dare you? <laughs> Mama always say lava like a box of chocolate. Yeah. Sometimes my impersonations are garbage. Let's see. Sherry Allen says, but the Little Mermaid chose to become foam instead. Yeah. So she could have chosen to kill Eric to gain her legs, but instead she chooses um, death, right? And becomes foam. I don't remember any of that in this live action remake. Miss Minosaka fan says, Aladdin is okay. I just... They're, especially the part where they're running up. Oh, I'm, maybe I'm confusing this with Mulan. There's one where they're like running up the walls, and I'm like, what in the world is this? It was bad. Yeah, my my issue with Aladdin comes more so down to the visual effects, the entire design of the genie's character. And I think Will Smith was not good casting. Let's see. Carl says, with Aladdin, Will Smith can never replace Robin Williams. And that was that was their issue. And I, and I do appreciate that they didn't try to make it out. Like, they didn't have that character written to be a complete ripoff and a complete copy of that version of the genie. But then at the same time, because it wasn't that version of the genie, it just didn't feel right, you know? Russian Homecat, what's going on? Uh, Miss Minahaki fan says, I do like the costumes in Aladdin. Yeah, I think that the costumes and the colors in Aladdin are, are very well done. And I also do like the singing voice of uh of princess jasmine uh naomi scott i think she does a great job in that role i I think that she actually very much fit that role very well and the song speechless it's a new song written for the movie and it's actually a very well written song let's see laura says people constantly call me laura story who would name their kid that (laughs) laurie story oh no not laurie story Happy Play Doctor, what's up? Have you seen The Journey of Natty Gan live action Disney remake? No, I have not seen either. I didn't know that that was an original animated or live action. That's weird. Uh, Laura says, the best part of Aladdin was Jasmine's Handmaiden. Yes! I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, me, me and Laura agreed on a lot of things when it came to the original Aladdin. Or sorry, the uh, remake of Aladdin. But it, it was definitely not not very good. Because reasons. Have you seen the machine yet? No, and I don't really I don't really care to. Rob D says funniest case of making a movie to retain copyright. Fantastic Four 2015. Oh, Fan Four stick. It was made solely so Fox could hold Fantastic Four film rights from Marvel. But who owns Fox now? That is funny, especially when you think about the time frame on that. Because it wasn't long after Fan Four stick came out that they ended up uh, selling out to Disney. <laughs> or the very least that the uh, conversations about that uh, started. 
Uh, Laura goes on to say, in Love Actually, Emma Thompson had just divorced her cheating husband, so that role was painful for her. Ah, I didn't know that. That definitely, I think, adds to her performance for sure. John Weister, I don't get the hate for Aquafina. It's a nice thirst-quenching brand. <laughs> uh, Wangsta, turn up your battery. Check your battery. Alma, check your battery. Back when Whoopi Goldberg was fun, sister act. It's one of my favorite lines. Whenever my parent especially, I say my parent, whenever my parents are older people who I think could get the joke, you say something and they don't hear you. The joke I always love to go to is that one. Alma, check your battery. <laughs> Turn up the volume. But no, it's not that Aquafina. Come on. Soul Assassin. In 10 years, we'll have a re-release of the original films in theaters when they run out of things to remake. Yeah, it's it's if they don't move quickly, it's it's gonna be bad. It's gonna definitely be bad. All right, we're gonna jump back into the chat in a second. It's gonna jump on me like it always does. Let's get to the super chat and then talk about the last thing I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, it won't take me too long on that one because I have not finished the entire series. But first off, because of reasons, thank you for the $20 super chat. Says, go see the machine. I'll pay for the ticket. Well, thank you for paying for the ticket. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, this coming week is my first full week off for the summer. Woo! Can't wait. So excited. Um, of course, I had a couple days this past week with the way exams worked. And this weekend, because baby Thor is, of course, here for the weekend. And, and then also, too, because he, has, he does not have school on Memorial Day. You know, then that means that Monday won't really be much of a holiday. But hey, I love I love spending time with my baby Thor, especially when, especially when he's got good taste in movies like currently he does. Um, but with that being said, uh, Tuesday through Friday, I should have that time to be able to actually go and see, um, do some movie marathons at some theaters. So I know that there is one out in Cleveland. It's about like thirty minutes away, and they have showtime starting I think as early as noon. Which I, I miss my theater from New Orleans because that sh that one over the summer would always have movies starting at like nine ten a.m. Sometimes it was a pretty heavy traffic theater though, so it made sense. But yeah, that will allow me to see multiple films in a day, like a couple films in a day. So I'm I'm actually very excited for that one. So hey, maybe I'll be able to see the machine uh, next week. But anyway, let me get back to where I left off in the chat. Before I talk about the last thing. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is a, a series. So it is on currently. It's called Max now. So HBO, HBO Max, Max, whatever it is that will help you recognize it. That is where you can find it. But this is, it's a docuseries. All right. It's called The Vow. And there are two seasons, 15 total episodes. It premiered in 2020. So this actually premiered during pandemic times. And it was renewed and premiered its second season just uh, last year, October of, of last year. And it tells the story, all right, it tells the story about the Nexium cult. Now, Nexium was the same cult that Allison Mack from Smallville, for maybe those that don't remember her, that's Allison Mack right there. So, Smallville. Uh, I actually really love that character on Smallville. Chloe Sullivan is a great character. And uh, and I think that she actually is a very talented actress as well. Uh, I think that the role of Chloe Sullivan was actually able to help her quite a bit uh, in that performance. However, she got involved with a cult, right? As it says here, Max was, Mac was a member of Nexium, And in 2018, she was arrested and charged 
with sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and forced labor conspiracy. She pleaded guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy charges and in 2021 was sentenced to three years in prison, right, for racketeering. Now, watching this documentary, though, The Vow, what it does is it's interviewing former members of this cult going into... One, what the cult was about. The first episode's brilliant because the first episode focuses on this guy, uh, or rather, it focuses on this group of Nexium. It, it focuses on these the different parts and the different levels of it, and and what its main goal was. So this guy Keith Raniere, who is the founder of the cult, it goes into his philosophy a little bit, and so it's it's a very brilliantly done first episode because. It's showing you all the good things, right? It's showing you, hey, here are the four members. They're talking about what led them to Nexium. What did Nexium treat them? How it helped them? There's even mentions of, hey, yeah, this one guy had, um, you know, had Tourette's, and Keith Raniere was able through his process, through his science, was able to cure him of the Tourette's, and like all this stuff, where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is just, I, I'm waiting for the for the shoe to drop, and I can't wait. And then finally, when the end of the episode comes around, the shoe drops, and it drops hard. You're like, oh boy, okay. And of course, it's brilliant because it makes you want to watch the very next episode. And then by episode two, and every season, or every episode past that, you're just going further and further down the rabbit hole here. And if you at all like documentaries, if you like, uh, or if you're interested in learning more about what is the mindset of, of cult members and what leads someone to joining a cult. And again, there's so many elements of this. I'm only a couple episodes into season two, but oh boy, I highly recommend it. So it's available on Max right now. And um, what actually got me onto this series was I was randomly recommended a podcast by Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum, for those that don't remember, played Lex Luthor on... Uh, on Smallville. Great show. Went on too long, but one through seven especially. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. Uh, back when there weren't a whole lot of superhero shows out there. It was before the Arrowverse and all that stuff. And it's just great. I love I love Smallville. Uh, it's, it's so good. But Michael Rosenbaum has a podcast. And he has several times interviewed. One, he has a Smallville podcast now, actually, where him and... Uh, the the lead actor Tom Welling, who played uh, who played Clark Kent on the show, are actually both rewatching all the episodes and then commenting on it. So if you want to Talkville is the name of that podcast if you're interested. But I was recommended instead. It's called it's called Inside of You. Oh yeah, that's the name of it. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, and he interviews several people. And during one of the interviews I was listening to, this came up, and immediately I was like, oh, I remember hearing about. Allison Mack getting arrested and her being in a cult and that, but I never really dove into it. And so then I was like, okay. And then I started going down that rabbit hole of not just watching more episodes from him, but then also that led me to the vow. And then I started watching this and I was like, oh my goodness, this thing is just, uh, it's just insane. So it's actually very, it's actually a very, very well done docuseries. So, all right, let's get to the last comments that we've got here. Michael Seagriff, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, Laura says, my niece only eats about 10 foods. That is a picky eater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, luckily, there there are very few things that baby Thor won't eat. Cthulhu, at $10 per pound, fruit is a delicacy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Coral, exactly. I'm, uh, Laura, I hope that you got that reference. Coral. Great meme. 
It's a great meme. Uh, Bruce, this is day four of a first-time Game of Thrones watch. I'm binging it on HBO Max. No, uh, uh, Bruce, correction, it's just Max now, okay? Drop the HBO. Why don't you? Drop the most recognizable feature of that brand. They did. I am already on season six, episode three. Oh yeah, Bruce, you're, you're, you're starting to feel it, man. You're starting to feel, oh, I see why this show was so big and why everyone loved it. Wait until you get to season eight, man. Some people said they saw the warning signs prior, but I'm telling you, it's a ton of bricks in season eight. Oof. Especially that last episode. Oh, goodness. Because reasons. Yeah, it's been a while. Life has been crazy. Do you still also work for Geeks and Gamers? I still do my box office. So I, for anyone who does watch me both here and on Geeks and Gamers, if you're wondering why there was not a box office breakdown video, I haven't checked today. Um, I did record a video, and it was sent. But I, 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 don't, I don't upload the videos. I have no ability to do that. So something must have been lost in communication along the way, is my guess. But I, I, <laughs> I could pull it up for you down and play it. But I've got a full box office breakdown from last Sunday. At this point, it's too late, right? Because there's just going to be one uh, recorded tomorrow. But I did record one. It, it just never got posted. Uh, so I don't know what happened to it. But yeah, I'm still, I'm still making the once a, once a week box office breakdown over there. Uh, Kikin Rumsky over on Rumble says, does Jeremy still like you? I hope so. I hope so. I, again, I don't, I'm just saying, I, I don't know what happened to it. it. It was sent and it was uploaded, um, to our, to our, like, we, we have like, you know, we're on teams and stuff, but again, it, it probably got lost somewhere that happens. It happens. We got, we got a lot of busy people. So Let's see. Hackty, the Happy Plate Doctor, it's never been remade. I've never seen it. So, again, I don't quite understand that as a reference to what we were talking about. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi, Disney tried to replace Robin Williams in the second Aladdin animated movie, and that didn't work. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I feel bad for the comedian they got for that role because the comedian wasn't bad. It just, yeah, you're right. It just did not match it. It, it just was not anywhere close. Steven, tried to say, are you into house music and what type of music are you into? I'm not really into house music. I, I know that there's differences between house and trap and all that stuff. To me, it all sounds very similar. It, sound, it sounds the same. But I'm all over the place with my music types. Uh, in general, I could say I love classic rock. But I also... I like one Screamo band. And specifically, I just like one album from that Screamo band. It's called Define the Great Line by the band Under Oath. I don't like any of their other albums. But Define the Great Line is an album I can listen to on repeat, song to song to song to song to song. Uh, but yeah, that's how random it is. But and then I also like uh, old school Michelle Branch. I also like old school Vanessa Carlton. I also like musical theater. I also like Disturbed, specifically the album Belief. As I said, my, my musical taste is all over the map. Uh, Tina Guzman, I teach juniors. Because reasons, I just want to support movies that have actual comedy in it. I understand. I understand for sure. And that's why I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. Let's see. Uh, I saw this one just because it mentioned Totoro. Yeah, so we have watched Ponyo, and he does like that one. He's just not at the point where he's obsessed with it. Like, that's what happens with him is he'll watch something, and if he loves it, he'll say, I want to watch it again. And we usually are very much like, no, we're not going to do that right away. Um but he he does, he has seen Ponyo and he does like Ponyo. And actually, it was funny because after he saw it, his goldfish 
became Ponyo. So he started to like whenever he had his goldfish in his cup. Uh, the next day when I picked him up from from daycare, because uh, we only let him watch stuff on the weekends too. So for those wondering, it's like why is he watching all this TV? We don't really watch him. Let him watch TV. We let him watch movies, and it's only on the weekends. During the week, we we we're a no TV household for him. Um, but he it was the next day I had picked him up from daycare, and he had a, a little you know snack cup, and in the snack cup had were goldfish, and so immediately he's like, oh look. Ponyo, <laughs> and I was like, "I love you, kid. You're you're awesome. Please, please don't change." Uh, B Rad, what's up? Stars did a better documentary series on that cult. I have you seen both of those? Because um, again, I am enjoying this one so far. So I and also my my I think the only platform I have any issue with is Stars. It's the most random platform to me. I don't know. I, I feel like. <laughs> Someone should just buy it up and have it featured on their streaming service instead. Orange Chat says, I watch the Talkville podcast every Wednesday morning. Nice. Again, I just discovered it. Uh, so I need to start I need to start watching that one. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Orange Chat says, and Odin, I agree. Smallville, seven seasons of greatness, eight to ten major uh, down. And that's why it's awesome to hear Michael Rosenbaum explain that he stepped down from the series. One of the reasons he stepped down from the series was because he... Uh, he, he didn't see where the show could really go after seven. Cause that was, that was where his contract um, had initially gone to. So yeah, Laura says somebody say me. Oh yes. Great theme song. I agree. It's haunting too. It stays with you. General Winkster. I don't know who's deleting your comments. Yeah, it must be. It has to be YouTube. Forever sci-fi. The guy they got to replace Williams was the guy who does Homer Simpson voice. He's talented, but no one had that manic energy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like you kind of almost felt bad for him. I'm not into gangster rap. No, that <laughs> there are some genres that I don't touch. Uh, country, not my thing. Rap, hip hop, not my thing. Though I guess, I guess you could say I like old school country that may not even be considered country at this point. And then maybe like old school rap. Um, all right, our last comments before heading, and then I'm going to go get some ice cream. Kigan Rumsky says, rare show that can go past seven seasons. Yeah, it is very rare for that to happen. Um, the, the one show I can think of that I think has seven solid seasons, I wouldn't say all seven in order or all 10. I think it, it actually went on to 15 are all good, uh, but most of them are pretty good. I would say Supernatural. Uh, Supernatural, what, went to 15 seasons? And th- towards the end, especially, it becomes a lot more hit or miss. And, and it, it, it becomes a lot less consistent. But I think that show, I could, I could point out more than seven seasons in their totality that are actually, that are actually solid, that are actually really good. Um, by the way, Supernatural, great, great show. Went on a bit too long, but I like it. Orange Chat says, One of my proudest moments as an uncle is I got my niece obsessed with the song Valhalla calling by Miracle of Sound. Nice. Tita Guzman, my musical taste is all over the place too. I like a lot of different types. Yep. It's the place to be, I think. Tina Guzman, how does one purchase a rosary? I'm not Catholic, but I do pray. Uh, if you talk about for me, uh, there is no way to purchase one because I don't I don't charge for them. But if you go to my website, ombreviews.com, there is a tab on there labeled rosary request. If you just click on that, there's a form, you fill it out, and then I will try to get to it as quickly as I possibly can. Um, and again, it's, it's one of those things where I don't charge for them. I ship them anywhere in the world. I do ship worldwide on those. Um, 
Just know that because of that, it is limited options. Right? There's not a lot of, you can't really customize or, or anything like that. I am limited by my materials. Um, but yeah, I, I, give, I give those away. So I'm also excited for that because once I start going through, I'm going to start Babylon 5 sometime this week and, uh, you know, binging some other things too. I, I make rosaries when I do those things. So uh, I can't wait to make a lot of those. Murder the ice cream bro says because reasons. Oh, it's going to get, I'm going to have ice cream right now. It's Mayfield. Mayfield's a phenomenal brand. If you've never had it before, Mayfield, Mayfield, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's delightful. It's delectable. And it's going to be the cookie dough. But I also have Oreos, and so there's going to be two Oreos that I'm going to mash up into it, and it's just, uh, it's going to be beautiful. I don't have ice cream, but I do have cookies, Dinner Winkster. Hey, cookies are the next best thing, in my humble opinion. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I, again, I ship worldwide. I have shipped to Poland. I, I shipped a rosary to Poland, and... I don't know if that was the furthest that I've shipped uh, one of the rosaries so far, but yeah, anytime I do giveaways and I would include the rosaries in on this, I, I again, I give those away anywhere. Um, cause I, I have shipped to in all things, including like the Blu-rays that I've given away. I have shipped to Australia. I've shipped to New Zealand. I've shipped to, Oh, somewhere in Asia. Oh, the Philippines. I've shipped to the Philippines. So Yeah. I I, uh, I I don't hold back on, on those. But with all that being said, we'll go ahead and end the show there. Thank you all very much for being an amazing audience, as, as y'all always are. Um, what, what, what can we glimpse from all of this? What can we look back on for this show? First off, Little Mermaid. Okay, we're, we're seeing okay numbers there domestically, not building on anything. Uh, might be able to do better than Aladdin in certain respects, but... Those international numbers are are quite abysmal. So we'll we'll, we'll see what the final international number reporting is tomorrow, and I'll do my box office breakdown. Uh, hopefully, it is available not only here on OMB Reviews. I have a lot more control over that, but hopefully also what, the one that I will do for Geeks and Gamers goes live this week. We'll, we'll see. Um, and uh, also, we will talk about the update on Guardians of the Galaxy, where that film is, where Fast 10 is. We have the week two numbers for Fast Tense. I'll be able to make some projections on where I think that film is going to end up. Um, and also, I talked a little bit about the show at the very end. I talked about the show The Vow, uh, which is on HBO Max, which is just Max now, and how it's incredibly creepy. It goes into the cult Nixium and Nexium, and it is, I think, a very brilliant, um, brilliant docuseries that is very creepy. Very, very, very creepy. So, anyway, with all that being said, thank you all very much for being here. Have you ever listened to watch Climbingville de Profundus guys? They're great. I've no, I have not. Uh, Zaid, that's the first I've heard about them. But all that being said, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your Saturday. Tomorrow is the Feast of Pentecost. So have a blessed Pentecost Sunday, and I will see you all on Tuesday evening. I am starting my, uh, I am starting my daytime streams this week. Monday being Memorial Day, I will not have a stream then. I'll be needing to take care of baby Thor. And also, it's Memorial Day anyway, so I want people to, of course, enjoy their time off. Uh, but anyway, it is official. It'll be from 10 to 11. So that's 10 to 11 Eastern time. Um, except for this week, it's Monday through Wednesday. So Monday and Wednesday on this channel, Good Morning Asgard podcast, 10 to 11 Eastern time. Check out my website, ombreviews.com for that full schedule. On Tuesdays, I am bringing back the OMB Report Live. That is on my second channel, OMB Report, which has not had a video in several months, uh, maybe even close to seven, eight months. 
but it's coming back and that will be my news and politics morning show uh and again you can find me omb reviews on all of the various platforms so with all that being said you're all amazing and beautiful people have a wonderful rest of your day a blessed saturday blessed sunday and as always god bless and now for a huge special shout out to all of my patrons at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with my patrons over on Patreon, Father Luca Illick, Hymir Irie Hymason, Garrett Searles, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Chat Reviews, who can check out over at his YouTube channel, Orange Chat Reviews, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who can check out at her YouTube channel of Eagle Rider, and Miss Martin Muses, who can check out at her YouTube channel by the same name as well. Also to my subscribe star peeps, Matt317, check him out over on Twitch, Fast Reaction, The R, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and Zkman, Zkman, you can check out over at xtheboundaries.co. And lastly, to my local supporters, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, and Robert Barnes, The Amazing Lawyer. Thank you all very much for supporting me at that Keep of the Bifrost level and above. And if you want your name shout out at the end of every video and live stream, make sure to check out the top link in the video description in order to get access to that. Also, there's a level where you get access to an exclusive podcast that I do with my friend, John the Flip Pick Flickinger, and also to a giveaways channel on my Discord where you get access to the giveaways of various 4K titles, including right now I've got a 4K uh, steel book for training day. I got the seventh seal from Criterion, Plane Trains, Automobiles, Kubo and the Two Strings, They Live, Train to Busan, tons of others every single week, uh, every single month, rather every single, yeah, every single week. I'm going to stick by that. We're doing this live. I just recently gave away the three steel book collection for John Wick franchise, the amazing stash book collection version. So if you want to have access to various things like that, hey, check out that top link in the video description below. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.